We're going to be kind of going into a new study this morning uh, over the next few weeks. Um, you know, I, I, we went to Turkey, right? And so I kind of feel like I need to preach on those seven churches that I got to go and visit, those seven places I got to go and do ministry in. And and this morning as we're here, I, I want us to be thinking about these seven churches. But but to get started in this, this idea of what are the seven churches about, I think we need an idea as to what Revelation is about. Amen? Uh, I think we need to understand kind of like what is it that we're really getting into here, um, because no doubt you've probably been in a, a Revelation study and it seems to be a lot of speculation that's thrown at you. Um, but what we do know is that when we read this book, it blesses us. So there's truth there, amen? It's not speculation. There are things here that I may not have a, a direct answer for as, as any minister of the gospel. Anybody who reads it, you're, you're kind of, sometimes we read it, you know, and uh, I, I know you know what I'm talking about, though. Who's the Antichrist, right? Or who, you know, who's that, that one that's going to come and to do all of this? We, we've had those studies probably uh, thrown at us in the past. But what I want us to not forget, and everybody catch this. This is the reason we're doing this. What, what I want us to understand today is that in the book of Revelation, there is a blessing on those who read it. In the book of Revelation, there is a blessing on those who hear it. In the book of Revelation, there's a blessing on those who do it. And really, I think the, the book of Revelation, it's not just a scary book about, you know, uh, beasts and, and uh, dragons and all this kind of stuff. It's more than that. It's really a, a tale of a God who loves us so much and that if we hold tight to him, he will bless us. And so we're going to be looking at these seven churches. And But, but today we're going to kind of step back here in chapter one and we're going to look at what is Revelation really about? Why is it a blessing? Look there in verse 1, chapter 1, Revelation. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel, his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, I'm blessed, guys. And blessed are those who hear. You're blessed, if you listen. And who keep what is written in it. The time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming. <laughs> I like that. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Look at verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on an island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. 
I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest, and the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like that of the sun shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. You think so? (laughs) But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I have a life forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to yet take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my, in my right hand, and the seven lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are seven churches. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. God, I praise you for everyone that is in this place today. God, I know that you have drawn us all here. And God, you you have placed us in this moment to hear this message. It's not about Daniel. It's not about First Baptist, Lord. It's about your word being heard. God, we glory in the fact that today we we can live a blessed life because we are reading, we are hearing. And Lord, prompt us today to go out and to do. Lord, that we would live, that we would apply these things that we have heard in your word. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us so much, God, that you sent your son Jesus. And that, Lord, we can hear these words today. And by the work of the Spirit in our lives, we can bring glory to the Father. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. You know, that first word that we kind of see there, the revelation, kind of scary, huh? You know, I think back to when I was a kid, it was back in the days when there were a lot of this. I don't know if you guys remember, there was this movie series that came out. It was called uh, The Prodigal the Prodigal Planet, I think is what it was called. Um, it was a bunch of these scary movies about how you better get right with Jesus or you're going to get left behind. And, uh, and, and in, these, in these movies, they, they would show people like out there uh, mowing the grass. Some of them would leave and some of them wouldn't, right? And then as, as the movie progresses, it's kind of like this whole, it was like the left behind of the seventies, right? And, and so we were, I remember watching these shows and just kind of being scared. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have fear and like, you know, concern of how we should live our lives. But the fact of the matter is, is that if we follow Jesus, we don't have anything to worry about. Like we can walk in, in perfect, perfect, uh, pay, uh, peace today because of who Jesus is. Amen. And I look at this word, this idea, this idea of revelation. Of course, in the Greek, it's this, it says your word apocalypsis. And that sounds scary too, right? Kind of Harry Potterish, you know, uh, apocalypsis, you know, or something like that. We hear this word, right? And this apocalypsis, what it really means, it's not scary at all. It, it means, well, revelation. That makes sense. But what does revelation mean? Well, it's this idea of, of an unveiling, right? 
a disclosure. You ever had someone come up to you and say, hey, come here, and they tell you something in your ear? You ever had that happen before? Maybe it was that, maybe it was that girl in fifth grade and she just, she wanted to know if you want to be her, you know, you want to be her beau or not. Maybe someone come up and told you some information that you needed to know, like, hey, the building's on fire. You know what I mean? Something, it could be anything, but, but when someone discloses something to you, it's valuable, right? For the most part. Unless you're watching the news or something like that, that's, that disclosure is usually not very good. But, Here we have in this book, and I want you guys to view Revelation in this sense, that this is a disclosure to you. From who? Let's talk about that. It's not just a religious book. It's not just John sitting on Patmos. It's not just that. It's, It's actually from somewhere much higher. And that's... That's significant for you and I today because it's not just a message from Brother Daniel. It's not just a message that I may have received from one of my pastors in the past or from my dad. He was a pastor. It's, it's not that. It's so much higher that it, this goes all the way up to the top, this message that we're about to hear. That's significant because if that is where the message comes from, don't you think we should listen and heed it? We don't need to like, dismiss this. I've known people who said, well, Daniel, I don't like the book of Revelation because you can't understand it. It's too much. So I just don't read it. No, you should read it. You should read this book. As we read it, we understand that John, he was really aware of like uh, the importance of this book. He was aware of the authority of what he wrote. And this promise that divine blessing for faithful obedience to this book, uh, that's something we shouldn't just skip over we shouldn't just be today like, well, you know, yeah, we're starting this book of Revelations and convenient Daniel went to Turkey last month. And so here, you know, here he wants to preach on this. Uh, yeah, okay. But you know, the one thing I do know is that I think we all need blessed in life. Where do blessings come from? It doesn't come from Walmart, right? It doesn't come from Mazio's. It doesn't come from, you know, your new truck. <clears throat> By the way, your blessings don't even come from the people sitting around you. Your blessings don't even come from your pastor. Our blessings come from Him. All blessings flow from God. And that's so, I want us to kind of view this this book of Revelation in a new sense, which by the way, you probably heard some of this and you're like, man, that's a description of Jesus. He has like a white afro, right? He's got a sword coming out of his mouth. what, What is this Jesus? Don't forget that that Jesus is the one that loves you. That Jesus is the one that, Wants to bless you. I like the word blessing, don't you? I like to be blessed. Hey, hey, we're going to bless you with this. You ever had somebody do that for you? I want to bless you. That's a wonderful thing. So when you think about God blessing you, this, this word blessing here, it's like the first to seven times that the word blessed is proclaimed in this book. So, so eight times you see the word blessing in most translations in this book. Eight times. And it's the same blessing that that really what it means is how fortunate or, oh, the joy of it. I mean, that's really what we're reading here. This idea of, man, this is, this is great. How fortunate. How blessed. If you remember back to Matthew chapter 5, Jesus used it repeatedly. Blessed are the peacemakers. Same word. How fortunate are those who bring peace. So, 
stepping back, I think, I think we need a game plan here, don't you? If you're tackling the book of Revelation, we kind of need to understand what we're doing here. The three activities that are recommended here are to read, to hear, and to take to heart. It says here that if you, if you keep what is written, and that's really that word keep, it means not just to keep it. I think we have a lot of people in church who understand who Jesus is, but they keep it like this. No, you need to keep it, right? Practice it. Share it. If you hear something good today that the Lord speaks to your heart, share it. And I don't mean just on Facebook or Twitter. I mean, share it to someone. Tell someone, you do, do you realize God is so good that he gives us a book that if we read it, it's going to bless us? If, if you were to tell someone, hey, I know how you can make $100, right? And you told someone that, you think they're going to perk up a little bit? Well, they may be a little bit, you know, like, uh, I don't know. Just one of those like pyramid schemes or something like that, right? But if you go to someone who's without hope, you go to someone who doesn't have Christ, you say, here, here, here's, here's a way that you can be blessed in life. I think they're going to listen more than you think. In my, my travels over in Turkey, what I was amazed with was that there were people who probably shouldn't have listened to an evangelical Protestant Christian from America. And I go over there and they're, they're, they're diehard, culturally, religiously Muslim who live in a nation that's been Muslim for a long time now, they shouldn't have listened to me, but because of the work of the Holy Spirit in me, they did. That's beautiful. And the reason isn't because of me or because of anything. The reason is because people, I believe, are looking to be blessed. People are looking for a reason. Looking for answers. And church, i got to say this. We have the answer, amen? It's right here. It's right here. Literally, the answer is right here in front of us. Without a doubt, everything that we are about to study, it's meant to be heard. It's meant to be studied. It's meant to be read. It's meant to be contemplated. And guys, it's meant to be put to practice. So who's it from? Well, this isn't like, uh, I, I know you guys could probably guess. Who's, who's it from? Who's, who's this? It's from God, right? Let's break it down. Not like 1980s break it down, okay? But let's break it down. Who, who is this book from? Well, the first that we see here is the Father, right? You read where it, uh, they're in verse, let's go, grace to you, blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> not blah, 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 it's not it's scripture. You're not supposed to blah, blah, blah scripture, okay? Verse four, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. That's our God, right? The beauty in all this is that we're about to see a picture of the Trinity, I think his brother Tony told me, somebody asked him this week, hey, did you, you ever heard of this thing called the triune God? And Tony was like, you bet I do. <laughs> I've heard of him. I experience the triune God every day, right? Think about this for a moment. Here, here in this passage, we see a description of the triune God, who was, who is, and who is to come, right? And then the second one is the seven spirits. Let's, we'll get into that in a, in a moment, but that's the Holy Spirit. And the last is from Jesus Christ. But the Father, who, who is the Father? Wednesday night, our Wednesday night Bible study, we, we kind of kicked back and we read like the first 13 verses of Genesis chapter 1. And I said, let's talk about who God is. And if God is a God who can create everything, that's, that's beautiful to listen to. But God, as we know, and I think it's in verse 6, He didn't just create everything, but He actually created nothing to put stuff in. Go home, read it for yourself. So that he created nothing to put stuff in. That's pretty powerful, right? 
I know, I know that we, we, we may just kind of glance over Genesis chapter one and we say, well, yeah, God created everything. No, wait a minute. If he can create nothing, he can take care of your problems. He can take care of what you're going through. Besides the fact he can save us. Amen. And God, God is, is sending us this message today by proxy of our, our brother John, who's long since passed. It's the Father. The beauty here that we see is that the Trinity is right here. It's not just this idea of like some religious writing that comes down, but I mean, it's so, <laughs> imagine this, the Bible is so theologically correct, right? Like you have this picture of a letter and it, he takes the time to say, you know what? It's God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son that are writing this to us. God. The seven spirits that might kind of throw us, because it does say that, right? Who's, you know, it comes from him who was and who is and who is to come. And then from the seven spirits, well, guys, you have to understand there's a lot of this beautiful writing. And that idea of seven means complete or holy or perfect. That that perfect spirit. That's really what we're talking about here. The, the work of the Holy Spirit. Anything that you take from here today that's, that's in your heart that God's speaking to you, it doesn't come from me. It comes from that Holy Spirit, that perfect spirit that is speaking to you. And this message is there. It's, it's coming from him, that seven spirits. And I know it's a puzzling phrase. And it's only found in the, the, this book of Revelation. But John, when he writes to these seven churches, he tells them that, you know, hey, this, this is a, this is a special way that John referred to the Holy Spirit of God. In Revelation, if you read in verse, uh, chapter four, verse five, it says the seven spirits are related to the Father. In 3, 1 and verses uh, 5 and 6, um, the seven spirits come from the Son. There's this like con- consistent traditional theology that you see through the book of Revelation. This, this intermingling of the Holy Spirit and of God and of Jesus. They're all distinct and separate, yet they're one, right? It's the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit is present in all of this. Of course, the, the final that we see, the person that it's from, is from the Son. And I think it's beautiful that um, we get a, like a detailed description of who Jesus is, right? You've got God the Father. You've got God the, the Spirit who's speaking to us. And now we kind of get a description when you get into verses 9 through 20, basically, of this description of who the Son is, of who Jesus is. What, what do you guys normally think of when you think of Jesus? Do you think of like six pounds, seven ounce baby Jesus in a manger, Right? Maybe that's what you prefer. I know people that prefer baby Jesus over, you know, crucified Jesus because, ooh, crucified Jesus, it's just gross. You know, there's blood, there's all this. No, it took all of it for our salvation to happen. Jesus is not just that. Jesus is, is, is a commanding Jesus. In verses 9 through 11, you hear that Jesus has a commanding voice. Have you ever met somebody that had a commanding voice? Maybe it was your coach in school. My dad had a commanding voice, and he was a very quiet man. But if he was commanding something to me, I knew it. In fact, I, I, I've talked about this in, in depth with a lot of people that my parents didn't really have to, uh, they didn't really have to spank me much because I, I was scared of that commanding voice. Cause I knew if I pushed that voice enough, guess what? I'm going to have Henson like back, like spelled backwards on my rear end. That's what's going to happen when that belt come across, right? Let me explain that. So back in the eighties, people had belts with their last name on there, right? Okay. All right. Okay. We're on the same page here, right? Commanding voice. Jesus has this commanding voice. What does that mean? It's not just that it's loud, but I mean, he has power. Amen. 
If you need a little bit of push to walk with Jesus today, listen to his voice. It's commanding. There's power behind it. He has, he has that wonderful, wonderful commanding voice that doesn't just scare us, but man, it's backed with FDIC, right? It's backed. It's there. You, you can bank on what God tells you. And when we're getting into the book of Revelation, believe what you read. Believe what you read because it's not just coming from someone that's, you know, it's not like John just sitting on an island and he's dodging snakes and, you know, he's sitting in a cave. I, I didn't get, get to go to Patmos, but I got to see it from like uh, the, the coast. And you can see this little dot out there. And they've made it like a tourist destination. They said it's really not that cool anymore. But we get this picture of Jesus with his commanding voice. We get this picture of Jesus who's glorious in his appearance. His hair, his eyes, his feet, his hands, his weapon, his face. Everything about Jesus is just glorious. And then there's like a response to this Jesus, isn't there? What is that response? It's worship. John says, I saw him and I fell like a dead man. Right? He fell like a dead man. All of heaven worships Jesus. You and I today, we... Hopefully we worship Christ. You guys were singing about uh, the, the beautiful songs today and, and, and talking about how the, uh, God made this, this person holy. And I know, man, we don't like to call ourselves holy or saints, but really that's what you are in Christ. We are. We're set apart. We're His. And to, to, to be that, but to not live it, that's a shame. To, to say we believe in the power of God, yet deny it, that's, that's a shame. So when we're reading through this, understand who the letter's from, right? This is not from the Southern Baptist Convention, right? It's not, it's not from uh, even the early church fathers. This letter that we're about to read, these letters that we're about to read, it's literally from God himself. And not just God, but God who's all-powerful, that he's perfect in, in all things, Amen. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We see the entirety here. And which, by the way, if you go back into Genesis chapter 1 and 2, it's not just God, singular, that creates, but he says, let us create man in our own image. Throughout the entirety of Scripture, we see this picture of a triune God. And that's beautiful, and it's powerful. And we live in that, right? So who's it written to? Or who's it from? It's from God. It's from God, but don't just think generic God. Don't just think generic God is for, well, it's from like the religious leaders of the time. No, it is from God himself. And his word is true. Don't you agree? We should listen to it. Well, who's it to? Real quick. We'll get into this over the next several weeks, but who is it to? Well, primarily it's to the seven churches, right? It's to a local congregation, like the whole setting, it implies a local congregation. It's, it's Ephesus, it's Smyrna, it's Pergamum, it's Thyatira, it's Sardis, it's Philadelphia, it's Laodicea, it's all of these churches. But guess what? That same message that's preached to them is a warning to us today too. I went to that beautiful, beautiful country. And like everywhere you go, I, I just can't, I can't get over the fact that the people are beautiful, the culture is beautiful, and you go to this country and you see like, you know, just a lot of agriculture. Um, they're still mining marble there. It's just a beautiful place, very industrious, right? But everywhere you went, when there used to be a church, it was just a pile of rubble. That's eye-opening. 
that if we're not faithful to God, if we're not faithful to who he is, if we don't trust in Jesus, if we don't just simply trust him at his word, that could be us too. You see, to have the power but to deny it is terrible. It's a terrible thing. And who's it to? It's to a bunch of churches that had it. They had the answer. (laughs) Catch this. They had it right in front of them, but they didn't listen to it apparently, right? This past week I watched a show. um, I think it's called Empires. Uh, It was all about... um, uh, the Turkish Empire, how they came to be, you know? And so, like, if you know, like, history, like, Rome did their terrible things, and then uh, somewhere along the way, there was this guy named Constantine, and Constantine became a Christian. We don't really know. There was some, like, you know, kind of things that Constantine did uh, that weren't very Christian. But because of Constantine, because of the work of the Apostle Paul, like, Christianity had spread into that part of the world. But then the Turks came along, and they were Muslim, and so they changed everything. And, like, and, like actually, there was a point in history where or Mehmed, he was the, the, the sultan of Turkey. He goes to fight this guy named Vlad the Impaler. You ever heard of him? And Vlad, I know we like demonize him, but he was technically an Eastern Orthodox Christian and he was fighting to take over Turkey and he loses. If he would have won, we would have had some really cool like, like Dracula books, I'm sure. But more than that, I think there would have been Christianity. Probably wouldn't even have Dracula because he wouldn't have been portrayed in the way that he was. But he moved, he could have moved into Turkey and we probably would have still had Christianity in Turkey. But whatever that means, I don't know. Here's what I do know is that when we turn our back on the power that is, we're going to lose every time. We're going to lose every time. Everybody here has a cell phone, don't you? Some of you are checking. I hope so. If you're like Joni, she's got her uh, watch finder or her phone finder on her watch. You know, she's always ding, 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 ding. Where's that, where did that thing go? It's saving me a lot of time in my life. I, I love it. I love technology. We all have these phones, but every few hours you got to do what to it? You got to charge it, right? You can you imagine like living with the joy of technology? You're living with the joy. Oh, look, I just got a tweet from someone. Wow. Living with all this technology that's in our phones, but then when we deny the power when it, times come, it comes time to, to charge it up, right? If you deny that, I'm not going to charge it. I don't need to charge it. If you, if you keep saying that sooner or later, your phone's going to be dead. Worthless. I just threw my phone. I didn't think it was going to bounce. They did. But we do the th- same thing spiritually, right? We, 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 we truck along. We, we get pumped up at church. We, we go to a Bible study. We kind of get, we get pumped up, but we deny the power of God in our lives. How long do you think we can really go? You might fake it for a little bit. And I always hear that term, you know, fake it till you make it. Well, that's not how you get to heaven. <laughs> it's not at all. I got through college by faking it so I could make it, right? I did. I'll be honest with you. But that's not how we get to heaven. And guys, by the way, it's not how we build churches. We don't fake it till we make it. We don't appear holy and then say, well, what, maybe one of these days this church is really going to grow. We have to apply what we know, what we've been given. We have to apply it. Or guys, we're going to end up like, we're going to end up like Laodicea, just a heap of rubble. Like, they're having to dig them out of the dirt. I don't want people digging us out of the dirt to find out what we did and what we didn't do. What's what's a travesty for me is all, there was several of these churches that we went to that you go in there, like the uh, the Basilica of St. John, beautiful baptistry. Laodicea had a beautiful baptistry, but it had been sitting under dirt for 2,000, 1,000 years. Hadn't been used. 
And we can say, well, that's a shame. But you know what? Most American churches, if we were to go in and do the dust tests in our own baptistries, guess what's in them? It's dust. Crickets. I'm amazed at how many crickets will accumulate in a baptistry. But I don't think that's God's will, do you? Why is that? Well, this letter, it's written to those churches. It's written to those people. But guys, check this out. It's also written to you and I today. It's a message to the seven literal churches. But guys, it's also a message for all those who follow Jesus. And the call, you guys want to know what the call of this book is really about? It's not about scary things that are to come. Because if you read closely and you read to the end, who wins? <laughs> you can, you can, you can skip to the end. It's fine. You know, I've got a lot of friends who think they know all about Revelation. I know, I know everything about it. I've got the perfect eschatological view of it. I know exactly what this book is about. I know everything about it. You know, I'm, they're probably going to be proven wrong when it's all said and done. But here's what I do know is that if I read this book and I hold tight to this one call and the call is to walk with Jesus. That's the call. These churches we're about to dive into, and they all had their good, good points, and they all had their bad points. Our church has some really good points, don't we? You agree? Man, we do. But if John were to write us a letter from God himself, what would be the bad points that God would say about us? You see what I'm saying? There's value in reading this book. And we're probably, as we're going through there, we're going to read through this church or that church, and we're going to say, we're really good like this, and we're not so good. We're, gonna, we're going to relate to some of these churches. Even as an individual, you're going to relate to some of these churches. You're going to relate to uh, some of the things that they went through. You'll be like, yeah, you know what? I deal with that too. Or I'm really good at this, but I'm not so good here. So the last thing I would say, these three questions I wanted us to ask today. Who's it from? Well, it's from God. Who's it to? Well, it's to the churches, but it's to us too. We can get blessed from this, right? Like he didn't say, well, this letter is top secret and will self-destruct in three seconds after, you know, John reads it or whoever, right? How do we accomplish the task? of reading, hearing, and doing. How do we do that? Because we're commanded here to do it, right? Anybody deny that? We can't. You've heard it. It's too late. Can't deny it now. We need to be hearing this. We need to be reading this. We need to be accomplishing this. This revelation that God has given to us. What's the revelation? It's that He loves the world. It's that He's victorious, not the world. Sultan McMahon, he wasn't the, he wasn't the answer to the world at the time. He wanted to take over. You go back in history a little bit further. The Romans, I mean, you know, Nero, he wasn't the answer, was he? You go back into the times of the Greeks, they thought they had the answer. They set up government, and there's a lot of good things that we can take from the Greeks, but there's a lot of bad things that happened. You go all the way back to, to countries that, we don't even realize existed, but there, there were so many nations that existed in that part of the world, but they're all heaps of rubble. Yet You understand, like in, in Turkey, they don't really build housing additions there. They just build high-rises in cities that are straight up because it's so hard to find any place to build anything because there's so much archaeology there. There are so many places. And for me, that's, that's, a, that's a huge picture for me. Like, how do I not become like that? Like, spiritually speaking, how does Daniel, I'll just pick on myself, how do I not become a Laodicea or a Smyrna or a Pergamum? How do I not become a church, a believer in Jesus that's just a pile of rubble? How do I do that? Hear, read, keep. 
Say it with me. Hear, read, keep. I feel like a kindergarten teacher. This, this is how we do it, right? Um, and it's a challenge. How, how do we do that? Uh, you, ever, you ever done like one of those Bible challenges? Like we're going to read through the Bible, you know? I, I've been doing the one that, we, that we've got online. If you, it's not too late, guys. Uh, uh, if you want to join up, because you can catch up. We're only like chapter 18 of Genesis so far. Um, but then those Bible reading challenges that we do to ourselves sometimes, yeah, sometimes we just get behind, don't we? Let's be honest, right? Oh, yeah, I didn't read. Because Genesis, man, Genesis, Daniel, Genesis chapter 11 is boring. I'll be honest, man. I'm like, that's the least interesting chapter in the whole Bible. I don't know who these people are. We get, we get that way, spiritually speaking, in real. But how do we get through that? How do we continue to be people who study the Word of God, who read, who hear, who apply it? How do we become people who are consistent in the ministry of the church? How do we become people who are lights to the world? And it's by this. It's by hearing the call of God and not fearing God. Well, it says here that we need to fear God. I, I get that. But we're not called to fear God in the sense that we just don't want to have anything to do with Him. The word fear there is not even that kind of fear, is it? It's respect. We we need to respect God enough to hear His word today. Do, do you do you respect God? Do you respect His word? Right. Um, I've got people like I've got a cousin who's a highway patrolman, and so he tells us these really cool stories. You know that he that he gets involved in uh, these chases or whatever, and and uh. I, man, some of the stuff he tells me, I'm like, he's he's my he's my go-to guy if I got a question about highway patrol stuff, right? I, I've got uh, I've got friends who are like scientists, or you know, they they work for uh, some biological kind of medical place, and so you can ask them questions, right? Like airline pilots, I can ask, hey man, what's it like to fly one of those, man? I just I can't imagine, right? It's like you have people that you can go to that you take on good word that they know. Like I can go to Daniel with basically any kind of legal stuff. He's going to tell me, right? Here's the thing. If you got questions in life, if you're needing peace, if you're needing all of this, go to God. Go to the source of the well, right? Go, go, to, go to where he's... He's he's welcoming you to come and to hear and to experience that good joy. Verses 17 through 18, it says, without a proper respect of our God with faith in his plan, we'll, we're going to fail miserably with everything. That's a call for me as a pastor that if I'm not seeking God's face as your pastor, if I'm not seeking God's face as 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 my my being a father to my son or being a husband, to my wife, or just being a Christian, if I don't seek God's face, guess what? I'm going to fail miserably. So what do we need to be doing? You need to hear. You need to listen. You need to read it. You need to study it. And you need to apply it. You need to tell people what God is telling you. That's the beauty in the gospel, isn't it? The number one killer of evangelism in our churches, the number one killer of evangelism with people is that we don't fear God. We don't fear Him. But we know people are going to hell out here, don't we? Like, there are literally people today that if you go to Love's, you go to Fire Lake, you go to Walmart, don't go to Shawnee and Walmart, go to Choctaw, it's better. But wherever you go, right, 
you're going to run across people who, who may be lost and are going to hell. And yet you're walking by with like the answer to life. You've got it right here. And for most of us, we keep it. We don't keep it. We don't follow through with it. Do you love what Jesus has done for you? Man. Like God has blessed me immensely in my life. And I'm guilty as, as much as anybody. Sometimes we just don't share it. There's times, there's opportunities where you can share the gospel with someone, and yet we just do not. Some of y'all may be saying, well, I don't know how to share the gospel. Well, come talk to me. Uh, but but, but, but at- apart from that, all you're doing is sharing what God has done for you. Your, your testimony, what God has done in your life is powerful. It's powerful. I can remember as a kid, like hearing other kids give their testimonies, and that was huge for me. I can remember going to uh, large churches in the in the nineties. They would have this team called the Power Team that would come through, you know, and they're like blowing up like hot water bottles and ripping telephone books and running through walls of glass. I don't know why they did that, but they were just these big powerhouse guys. And then they would stop and they would tell their testimonies. And their testimonies were powerful. Like I'm, I'm telling you about those guys' testimony today. I can tell you about a guy in on the Navajo Reservation that uh, he went to Vietnam, served his country, saw everyone in his platoon destroyed. Comes back to America. He's kind of spat upon because he's Native American. He's not given the respect that he was needed by anyone when he served in Vietnam, which was true across the nation, wasn't it? And he comes back to all of that and he turns to a bottle and he spends like a good 20, 25 years of his life drunk. But yet somewhere along the way, he, he, he tells this story of how he, he was in, a, in, in the gutter. Literally, I was in a gutter, he says. And this, he says he looked up and he was a Marine. But he looks up and there's a guy in a Marine uniform, steps over him. He's like, says, hands him $20 and says, hey, go buy you a Bible and read. Go read the truth. And he says he looked up at that Marine and he was like, all right, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go buy me a Bible. He said the first thing he did is he went down to the store and he bought as much cheap wine as he could. <laughs> he was honest, right? But he says that he drank that wine and he thought about that for years, like years and years after that, he thought about this, this Marine. He says, well, that was weird. He says, I really think it was an angel. But he says that this Marine came and offered me $20 and, you know, hey, this is what you need to do. He says, after a time, after a time, he remembered and he gave his life to Jesus. And Eddie Mason was like one of the, he was one of the funnest guys to play. He was, he, he was a guitarist and, and his guitar style was right there between like, uh, uh, I don't know, it's like a Johnny Cash, like old country style, you know, it was beautiful. And he brought that to the, to, to the, to the services that we had, our worship team there on the reservation. It was just beautiful. But what God had done, I'm telling you about his testimony right now. Well, people, they don't relate to my testimony. You think I relate? To an old man who served in Vietnam that was a drunk for several, several years? Who says he saw an angel come over him? All this stuff? You think I really relate to him? And that, no, I do relate to him. His testimony is powerful in church. So, so is yours. We have to be sharing our testimony. That's part of that keeping. That's part of that adhering to what God is telling us to do here. This is a good news. Let the church say amen. The evidence. What happens in not heeding the call of the Lord, it's scattered all over Turkey today. 
people who said, you know what, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do this. Scattered all over Turkey. But the blessings in Revelation, they are a reminder of our call. Guys, have you heard your call today? I know most of them we're like, well, I've never been called to be a preacher or missionary. No, but you've all been called to proclaim the gospel, every one of us. We've all been proclaimed to do that. Today we're reminded of that call. We're, we're reminded of our God. We're reminded of what happens when we don't listen. When we are spiritually lethargic, when we are without faith, when we are without vision, when all these things are a factor in our lives, we're reminded of how it all turns out. But when you get to the end of the book of Revelation, if you are one who is faithful to the ends because of what he's done for you, that's a beautiful ending, isn't it? It's so beautiful. You get to the end of the book of Revelation and Jesus talks about how he's going to wipe away every single tear. How many of y'all cried? Don't raise your hand. But how many of y'all cried this week? You know? You can raise your hand. <laughs> That's all right. How many, how, many, how many of you have had loss in the last several years and you think about that? Or maybe you've had hard times and that, that, that loss that's there. There's going to come a time that those who read, those who hear, those who share, those who follow Jesus, who hear the call, there's going to come a time when those people are going to have every tear wiped away. And guess what? We don't even deserve that, do we? I don't deserve it. I don't. I'm not just saying that either. I believe that. Like I'm... I'm a depraved man, but, but with God, I'm redeemed. With God, he's like, you know what? I love you. I'm going to wipe your tears away one of these days. I get tired of the stuff that goes on in this world. I get tired of the, the bad news. Somebody asked me if I'd prayed for the cold wind to come through. No, I didn't. I did not pray for that cold wind. If anything, I prayed the cold wind never come again. That Oklahoma become a, a tropical destination with a beach to the ocean. That Texas just floods out. I love Texas, but you know what, God? We're willing to take that. Let, let Texas flood out and let the ocean be right there. I would be perfect for Daniel. If I had a beachfront property in Oklahoma, that'd be awesome. And not on Lake Eufaula or Dirty Bird or anywhere like that. I'm talking on pristine. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about now. But, but the thing is, is that this world is never going to be good enough, right? Everything falls apart. Everything ends, everything, you know, everything has its time. But what we do know is that when we trust in God, that we, we look to Him as the author and the perfecter of our faith. When we look to Him as, as the one who's, who, who is and who was and who is to come. When we look to Him as the, the, the perfect, holy God that He is, the, the one who's redeemed us, the one who is alive. I, I like that when, he comes to John and, and, and he, Jesus touches John on the back. There in verse 18, he says, I'm the living one. I'm the living one. I, I've thought about that all week. Like Jesus could have said a lot of things about himself, right? He says, I, John, don't worry about it. Just don't fear. It's okay. Don't fear me as in I'm going to step on your head, but Respect me and hear my words. I'm going to tell you right now. I am the living one. I've thought about that all week because he, this letter is getting written to people that are breathing, their blood circulating, their neurons are firing, all that stuff's going on, right? He's, but John, well, God, through John, knew that we need to be reminded of who Jesus is. He's the living one. The one who was what? He was dead. He was in a tomb, but yet now he's alive. 
And in that life, in that truth, guys, we have everything we need to go from this place and just be a powerhouse for God. I love the fact, what's kind of scary for me, me and Jesse were talking about, it's like, man, like I go away and you guys all preach while I'm gone. I'm like, okay, I'm out of a job now, right? Apparently. And then he's sick today. His old family's sick, which by the way, pray for them. COVID's hit their house, but we still had a stage full of people that led worship. Man, that's a good picture of what our church is doing right now. We just got a bunch of people who love Jesus and we're just, you know what? We're going to pray for you, brother. We're going to keep worshiping anyways. We're going to hear a sermon anyways. Probably shorter, right? Apparently, I I have three points and I'm really long-winded. So, right. I like what Daniel said, though. He he, he says, you know, there's usually, I can't remember the exact quote, but there's usually a a, a long preacher. There you go. And he he knew he wasn't going to be too long because Ray was going to preach. And I thought, that's perfect. But right, man, you, you did great. Just right, man. The Word of God is always just right, though, right? We joke about time. We joke, joke about all that. But, but honestly, the Word of God is good. And if, like, anything I've said today, like, what I read at the beginning is the, the meat of the matter. To hear, to read, to keep. That's what we, we need to be doing. Over the last year, like we've had a real big kind of, I think it seems like a theme that's kept coming up and it's all this about unity, right? You know, like we're, we're coming together as a group of people and the devil tries to work against that sometimes, but, but we're coming together as a group of people. And, and I, the Lord's just kind of really been pressing this thought on my mind through, through scripture and all that. Is that we don't just need to be unified here, but we need to be unified and to go out. And um, Daniel and I, we've been talking, and uh, Ray, we've been talking a little bit and stuff, but but this idea of how do we reach our community around us. And so um, next Sunday at, at 5 o'clock, we're going to meet in the West Building, in the Fellowship Building, and um, we're going to hash out some game plans. We're going to sit down, and we're going to, um, we've got some ideas for some upcoming ministries we can do in our community, but we're going to sit down, and we're going to hash this out. Um, if, you, if you see any um Anything online, anything about Mission One, that's, that's what this, this is our initiative, right? I'm trying to be organized here, okay? I have to be organized or I won't be organized. But this idea that our initiative for this year is that we're not just going to, to grow, which God is growing us in here. I get that. Like, I feel like our fellowship is growing. I feel like our ministries are growing here and all of that. But how can we reach those with what we know? How can we reach those with this? How can we be a church that doesn't just hear and listen, but we're a church that also keeps? You hear me today? Church, are you with me? Are we going to be a church that keeps? Or are we going to be a pile of rubble in 20 years? We can worry about a lot of things, but if we're not preaching the gospel to our community, we will dry up. It's the truth of the matter. The, the American church is not irrelevant anymore. I hear that said a lot. Well, the church is irrelevant in America anymore. It's not irrelevant. The message is more relevant than ever because people need this. People need to hear this. Man, we got a lot of work to do, but I'm excited to see what God's going to do. Amen? Devil, come at us. I don't care. Come at us. My God's a lot bigger than you. We sing this song. It says, I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. Man, I get chills just hearing that because it really does. It's like we are not just, we're not in this alone, church. I mean, I think it's great that I got my brother here, right? I got, I got my new sister here. I've got, I've got so many people, all of y'all. You know, this is wonderful. Like, I feel really popular right now. I got all these people coming up. It's my entourage, right? <laughs> is it right? 
As cool as this is right here, church, it is nothing compared to the grace of Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus today, that's awesome. Man, I, I think that that's great. If you don't know Jesus, that's not awesome because your hope is not in anything that will last. But if you trust in Jesus, if you believe in your heart, you confess in your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. You will not be like a seven church that we're going to study over the next several weeks.